Hi, Strady. Hey, Nugget. Hello, boys. Back from Japan in two weeks, ISO. How's it been? <laughs> yeah, good, mate. Good. At least I'm not in South Australia. Don't have uh, 18 weeks. I'm good. Yeah. Have you got the room next to any of the boomers, Nugget? Nah, mate, the rugby sevens. That's where it's at. <laughs> That'd be wild. Oh, uh, yes. We could Whilst do a live the stream of... then for episode 57 of uh, Sports and Fit. Mm. Yep. Okay, so while the rest of the two. while the rest of the Olympic team were crushing records, the sevens boys were crushing tins on their plane on the way home, weren't they? they were just after chasing Booney's record. That's all it was. <laughs> and rightly so, because their, their performance was uh, pretty crap, to, to say the least. The seventh place for Australia in rugby. We know that the rugby in Australia is in a bit of a, a low state at the moment, but um, I think the sevens brought more shame to the game than any other team in rugby history from Australia. <laughs> oh, they lost. Were they losing the quarterfinals? Like, is that right? I don't know that I would have I expected. Seventh. Wouldn't have expected much more from them. I don't know. Yeah. They were oh, saving well. their performance. Yeah. And they, good on and them. Let, me, like, why would let me tell you that they had more than seven. <laughs> oh, so much so life. that uh, you were saying before that they um, basically forced the um, the Japan Airlines to write a letter to the Australian Olympic Committee demanding an apology for the way they behaved. Yep, absolutely. And good on them. So that's what we're going to be talking about tonight, not just the Sevens Rugby, but also the second week of the Olympics and everything that we may have missed Um well, we may double cover some things. We're not real sure because we can't remember what we spoke about last episode. Can we, boys? So. That's correct. And uh, as Maka just dropped his video out and uh, everyone's on mute except for myself. Um, yeah, that's right. Oh, where are we? Technical ears hey. back. <laughs> Sorry about that. It's all the it was just, it was yeah, just all the excitement. Those- Excitement of the Olympics. We didn't know what we were talking about last week. So. Well, we're experiencing a few power, power glitches of late uh, and electrical shortages because everybody's at home. So the loads on their heaters from their air, uh, air conditioning is putting a strain on the grid. And uh, much like yeah. the electricity issues that are suffered in countries like South Africa and so forth, we've experienced a little bit of the same here in the Hunter region. What are we talking about? All right, the the Olympics. Let's bring this back on track. Okay, the Olympics, second week. What about the Boomers, boys? Well, the, the whole focus boomers. for us for the last couple of years has been us talking about the Boomers. Yep. This is our shot to win a medal, and it's it's medal or bust, or you know we can't finish fourth again. And there's yeah, know, we, we've got hours worth of tape of uh, just us talking about the Boomers only. Uh, we went in well, confident they, they they could medal, and they did. Well, let let me ask you this, Streety. Let me be because I like I, I want to know what what's your affiliation with the Boomers and how long have you been following it? Give us the two minute story of why that bronze medal meant so much to you. I started playing basketball in nineteen ninety. I was in year five. Yeah. Uh, for my primary school team, the Warnieessa Wildcats. Yep. With uh, one of my good mates uh, and a long-time listener, Johnny Boxel. His, uh, his dad, Graham Boxel, was my first ever coach. Mm-hmm. And I basically um, started playing basketball because my mum wouldn't let me play rugby league. Yep. Um, so she put me, enrolled me in the school basketball team. And from there, it, it grew. And then my first, um, you know, um, I just, just loved it from, from day one. And then I remember watching the Barcelona games with Andrew Gaze and and all that, and then um, you know, from probably from high school, that was '92. Yeah, hooked it. So you know, I was a basketball junkie. So I've, I've followed every Olympics with bated breath. The NBL as a kid, the NBA intensely. Mm. You know, since you know, for over 20 years now. Yeah. Um, so you know, I, I guess I'm was and still am very uh, emotionally invested into the sport. Um, mm. And as much as you want your footy team to, to win a premiership at least once in your lifetime. You want to see a country win a medal at the Olympics for the for your number one sport, yeah. Um, and it happened, thank, thankfully. Mm. Yeah. And uh, before we ask you the same question, uh, Streety, can I ask you? So obviously, it wasn't a gold medal, right? And and the boys in the team would have loved it to have been a gold medal, but they got beaten by the US in the semi final, reasonably convincingly, um, after beating the Team USA in an exhibition match. Does it matter to you that it's not a gold medal 
or, or does it mean just as much to you that that it's a that they just got one? You got to crawl before you can walk, right? So um, I think just because of all our failures, I, I think you know, um, gold vibes only was the you know the mantra for the boomers going in. But gold yeah. vibes only doesn't necessarily mean that you have to win gold. I think it's more of a a vibe about success and doing what yeah. it takes to to achieve a goal that you set out. And you know, uh, a gold medal in Olympic basketball um, is possible, um, but it's probably not probable when you when you're going by going up against the United States. We 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 beat them in that practice match, um, but to beat in the Olympics, you have to play perfect for the full forty minutes, every possession yeah. on both ends. Um, I think for us, you know, winning a medal, you know, irrespective of the colour, um, is the thing. You know what I mean? Yep. We spoke about this, about this at your house when we watched the semi, and I said, mm. "Do you think it's uh, what? What would you get the better feeling off? You know, losing a gold medal match, you know, in mm-hmm. that moment, or winning a medal to win the bronze?" And I, I think watching us win the bronze. Mm. Um, probably gave you know the vibes and that that really that that great sense of elation and emotion as well. Uh, watching yeah. it you know straight afterwards and the following day, um, mm. as opposed to losing a gold medal game, thinking you know if 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 the semi final was the gold medal game and we had that fifteen point lead, you would have think fucking hell we've lost the gold, you know we what could have been, and then your your celebration of silver is sort of diminished a little bit. Yep. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Nugget, what about you, mate? Like uh, yeah. obviously the 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 boomers win meant a lot to you as well, mate. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. And I suppose for me, I mean, yeah, it was early nineties. For me though, it was it was one of the exhibition ones. And remember the Shane Hill and um, Charles Barkley going yep. at it. Ninety six yep. in Utah. Ninety six, yeah. So yep. for me, I suppose that was the the moment that you sort of looked at it and went, yeah, you know what? Like you have these Yanks coming in. Yes, they were that bloody good. I mean, yep. when you have, I think that team had Shaquille O'Neal coming off the bench. Uh, <laughs> so you look at that and go, wow. But at the same time, it was that stand up from Shane Hill just taking a cheap shot from Barkley and just giving him a spray, just going. I think that was. I won't say a turning point, but for me as a as a fan of it was a turning point, which was, you know what? Yeah, let's go in and beat them. Whereas before that, it was, you know, you put US on a pedestal. Yep. But at, at, from then on in, it was sort of, no, let's put Australian basketball on the pedestal and mm. let's get after them. And then you had those heartbreakers. So, again, completely agree with what Switchy was saying as in terms of the <sighs> – if it came down to it, silver or bronze, like if you didn't take out the gold, mm. the silver or bronze, look, to be honest, they didn't care what medal they had. But at the same yep. time, we wouldn't have seen the same celebrations that we had probably straight away if mm. we got that silver. Yeah, it takes so a while to sink in, right? It would have been a while, whereas the you're on the high of a win. You know, mm. you get a medal for a win and... Um, yeah, I mean, seeing like Andrew Gaze pretty much breaking down at the end was just, yeah, that summed it up in terms of he's on the high of that win. You see mm. the Instagram videos of them partying back at motel, et cetera. <laughs> like, yeah, I think and we early, probably would have seen those ones a bit later. But yeah, yeah. that night we saw, was it the, that night or the night before when the hockey route, the Kookaburra's hockey lost? Um, yeah. You know, that was devastating. You watch those blokes and you just like, you sit there in your chair because they had lost the gold medal game. You just yeah, feel like yeah. shit, and you're just like, oh, these poor bastards, and they're you know crying, yeah. and then you know you think, man, I don't want to have to go through this tomorrow or, or tonight. Mm. You know, when when we watch the boomers, um, yeah. You know, and yeah, let's face it, you know, it's it's not a bronze medal for us as NBA Australia famously coined it the, the rose gold. So I'm, yeah. I'm happy to run with that terminology. Um, but half the thing is <laughs> a fan is sharing in, in in that elation and having that having that feeling of victory and yeah and seeing all those boys you know for everything they've, they've worked for it and you know to mm. have, have the setbacks and, and, and to get it you know witnessing joy in a celebration is um you know is fantastic regardless of the color of the medal i mean i'm not sure yeah. what would have happened if if they would have won gold i probably would have mm. jumped in my pool uh ended up with hypothermia maybe spent a week in hospital um, <laughs> uh, yeah i think gold yeah. may have been a bit too much 
<laughs> yeah, you, you reckon you probably wouldn't have been able to handle a gold, mate. You reckon that would have probably crossed the line a bit. So. I would have been redlining on something for sure, yeah. <laughs> well, well the, the higher we're on just with the bronze, geez, it would have been yeah, trouble, yeah. I reckon. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I think for me, I um, I, like I'm similar to you boys, right? Like I've played the game from a very young age and um, I first remember really being aware of the Olympics but also the Australian men's basketball team from about 1988. Um, in the Seoul Olympics, which is one, of, which is the first time I think that we finished fourth, right? Um, and I probably didn't realise as a young boy back then, you know, eight or nine years old, that 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 was an unusual kind of achievement. But I mean, then over the years, over then the next, you know, what was that? Thirty-two years of following the sport and being involved with it, both playing, coaching, and then from a professional perspective for a little while um, as an administrator, I. I very much started to learn exactly how hard it was for the Australian men's team. Not that it wasn't hard for the Opals, but to achieve what they've done. But, you know, in particular, I think the men's program have been very close and just not quite gotten there. Um, And so to see them finally reach that medal dais and, and at a major championship be in the top three, um, for me was probably more of a, I guess I just love that whole, that Andrew Gaze aspect of it, a guy who had put so much into the sport. And there's so many people I know put so much into the sport of basketball. And to see Gazy speak about, you know, his dad's contribution to the sport and his family's contribution to it. And the fact that it started at the 1956 Olympics. And at that time we had 300 registered players of the game in, in the country to see what those guys achieved that, Paddy Mills and Joe Ingalls and Matt Delavadova and Aaron Baines had given so much of their own personal lives to the game. Mate, it was just amazing to see that kind of thing come through for everybody that I knew who'd ever been involved in the game. So, um, yeah, I mean, that was a pretty special Olympic moment. I've watched a ton of Olympics, but that just had a really good feel about it for everybody. And um, and I agree, Streety. I don't know whether it would have been the same if they if they had have actually made the gold medal game. You don't really realise you're witnessing it until it's maybe all over and you look back and go, wow, that was amazing, you know, um, the way it all came together. Because you couldn't have picked my bottom lip up on Thursday when they when they lost that that semi-final to the States. Oh, I was filthy with that. So I thought they played a perfect game of basketball in the first half and then I thought they completely shat the bed in the second half. But, geez, they made up for it on Sunday night. Oh, sorry, on Saturday night. Yeah, definitely. It was... Um... Yeah, I mean, I haven't watched the replay yet, and hopefully the Seven Olympics mm. app uh, have the game available to, to rewatch. Um, yeah, they got it, mate. I've watched it a couple of times. Yeah, beauty. Yeah, cool. <laughs> I mean, we just, you know, like we, we had some difference makers this time. Um, you know, yep. you talk about, you know, the, being at the, you know, playing for for a medal in '88. I think we, we have to remember and put basketball in a global context, and this is the second most popular sport in the world, and Whilst mm. we achieve more in basketball than what, than what we do in football, you know, the European game is extremely strong. There's, there's, there's excellent countries, you know, everywhere. And, you know, to, you know, things, things happen for a reason. And, you know, you have to take the, the chances when they're there. When there's some big, big European nations that didn't qualify for the Olympics, they, they fumbled their way through the qualification and lost. And, you know, um, we, used to, we, we were challenged in Tokyo. We, you know, there were some games where, Against um, you know Italy and who did we play first? Nigeria. Yep. Italy, um, Nigeria, and Germany were the pool games. So yeah. Not in that order. Yeah, I mean, look, at, like you know, the thing is, is that, like Slovenia, mate. They came through a qualifying tournament. They were something like seventeen and zero before they lost their semi final match to to France. And don't forget, they only lost that semi final to France on a very last minute block to Nicolas Batum, right? Last on what second. was just. <laughs> like, like, well, yeah, last split second, um, which was a layup to win the game, which for all money looked like it was in. If he hadn't blocked that shot, then then you're playing France for your bronze medal. Yeah, um, and then, you know, France, and geez, we, we, we may not have beat them there pretty solid. Well, we didn't match up as well against them. And I think I think France obviously would have recovered from losing a semifinal a lot better than Slovenia would have, you know. So uh, there's a lot that's got to go your way to win a medal too, right? Like... Uh, 
the truth is, is that we don't have as much talent as um, as the United States one to ten on the roster. Um, but I tell you what, this time, mate, that team, like that Boomers team, they just came together as a group. You know, like uh, they played their heart outs for each other, and they wanted to be there for each other. And that was just a special moment to witness them get that reward. You know, like. Uh, Definitely the difference makers this time around, as opposed to the 2019 World Cup for the Boomers, um, was Dante Exum and Matisse Thibel, right? Like, Thibel was uh, amazing. But quite amazing. clearly, the, the addition of those two guys was was the difference maker in their success, for sure, 100%. Now, like, obviously, you know, Pat Mills scoring 42 points in the bronze medal game, that's probably the single best or most that's probably the single best Australian basketball individual effort that I've seen, you know? Um, And, you know, he just never stopped the whole game. And then I heard obviously an interview with Gorgian afterwards telling the story about the team meeting that that the boomers had after the boomers, us after the U S semi-final loss where Pat Mills and Joe Ingalls basically said, you know, for this next game, put the ball in our hands, run us 40 minutes, we will make this happen, right? Like Pat Mills basically called his shot. He said that he was going to was gonna live or die with him. Um, and cometh the hour, cometh the man, you know, like he couldn't. He just did everything in that game. It was amazing. Yeah. And that's, what's, that's what was crazy in that the, um, like watching it, you would, to be honest, you're waiting for Patty to blow out because. Yep. He just did not stop. No, no. Absolutely. Um, the game the bas- game of basketball is a game of perpetual motion, as you guys know. If you continue to move, then good things will happen. But, mm. you know, for him, like, for him to get 42 points and nine assists in a way that didn't necessarily completely dominate or stagnate the offense for the rest of that team – just shows that he found his shots where they were given to him. He didn't try and create them. He found them when they were given to him, you know. And, you know, that, yeah, as I said, I don't think you will ever see. I think winning a bronze medal, that team winning a bronze medal is slightly overshadowed, overshadowed as it should, that individual performance from him. That's, that's the single best performance I think you'll ever see from a boomer. That was amazing. <laughs> Totally. You know, I remember in our group chat, you know, for all the things you said, you know, Patty Mills is the boomers, he's the face. You're so Mm. invested, you know. I I said in our group chat, tonight is the Patty Mills game. Yeah. Now, I also backed it up with uh, posting a screenshot of a sports bet market for Mills 25-plus points and the boomers win, paying Mm. great odds at 550. Yep. So uh, I hit that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you you just knew that, like, you know, as as Patty said, it lives and dies. There's no way – we're going to a medal game and Pat Mills has a stinker. Mm. It's just, uh, just, yeah. it's, it wasn't, you know, in his mind, you could tell it was a non-negotiable just because of what he put out there. Yeah. was the sense that we're getting this done and I accept nothing less. So yeah. True, and true two, leadership. It was absolutely. And the two other contributions that don't get spoken about much is obviously Matt Delavadova giving up his starting spot for that bronze medal game. Like, yeah. um, this is a guy who he's put his body through complete hell for the boomers and, um, and, you know, and actually um, really played that role quite well. Um, it was quite obvious that in order to contain Luka Doncic, we needed to start with Matisse Thibel and his defensive, you know, kind of presence. Um, and Deliver David didn't whinge, didn't bitch, didn't make it about him, basically stepped in and did what he had to do for the team. And also, poor old Aaron Baines, like Bainesy, like, you know, that guy has given his heart and soul to the Boomers program over the years and and sacrificed a hell of a lot for that medal. I didn't realise his injuries were so serious until they were announced kind of after the game or kind of, you know, as it was going on. And that's, you know, that's a real contribution from him and he deserves a medal. So I'm really glad to see Paddy pick him one up when they are on the dice. That was fantastic. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was a pretty special sporting moment, boys. <clears throat> yeah, I had a few tears in my eyes. <laughs> yeah, same. I um, twenty four hours. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I I was glued to my phone uh, the next day, just uh, watching the the video clips. And every time a gaze clip come on, you know, the 
Eyes would get red, so I had sore tear ducts for the majority of Sunday, plus a slightly mild hangover after um, celebrating <laughs> the boomers with some uh, a, a numerous beverages during and after. Um, so what about the gold medal game, boys? The gold medal game earlier that day, Team USA versus France. Did did you think it was ever in doubt? Were, were France ever a chance to beat them? What did, what did you think? Oh, you know, definitely I mean, a chance. They were a mm. chance, and they 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 that they were just getting to within four at the end. Um, <clears throat> if I, mean, I think if France go back and, and watch it, there's probably a couple mm. of plays where they thought, well, oh, you know, we probably rushed the shot here. There was that uh, Frank uh, Frank the Tank, yeah, Frank Nikolatina hit that free to bring him to within four. Mm. USA turned it over or missed a shot, and then uh, Evan Fournier just. You know, pulled up basically in a fast break and put a hole through the backboard. Um, yeah, yeah. But you know, if he if he hits that shot, or even if they slow it up and just you know and and get a um a foul, get put on the line or just hit a normal shot, the game it's, it's a it's a one to two point game. Mm. Uh, and then you know, and, and then you have to watch the USA execute. Um, yeah, so I think, it, um... it, it was good that it wasn't a blowout. It was the closest game in probably I don't know. Um, I think ten or twelve Olympic finals where it hasn't been a you know the, a formality going into the fourth quarter. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, did you enjoy the gold medal game, Nugget? Yeah, yeah. In that, to be honest, if he hits that shot and it's down to the US having to execute, I don't think they would have. So mm. it would have made it very interesting. In saying that, you got blokes like Kevin Durant that just it's he's still he's a freak like. Yep. He's built built for basketball, long, lanky. Yep. Yep. Um, I didn't like really the carry on from the US afterwards, saying you know that it was all about. Well, in their media, at least, it was proposed that you know the world had suggested they'd caught up, and everyone's holding up gold. Yeah, going no, they haven't, and it's like, well, <laughs> don't know what games yeah. you were watching, but absolutely, <laughs> the world has caught up. So yeah, I think. Uh, yeah. You just have to go to Barcelona to now, and you know, like the dream team were the dream team, but they were putting mm-hmm. fifty to sixty on everybody. You know, yep. now in a gold medal game, you know, you have France pushing and getting within four. Spain and in, um, in the London games, you know, almost took the lead in that fourth quarter before Kobe Bryant mm-hmm. sort of yep. you know, put the foot down and closed close that one out. Yeah, and then obviously there's been there's been a few losses here and there along the way, not not yep. meddling at the World Championships a couple of years ago. Um, I think the roadmap for USA probably have to look at some of these international teams like Australia, Slovenia, France, Spain. And maybe their roster construction can be, all right, well, maybe all we need is one to two go-to scorers instead mm. of trying to have five flat-out scorers on the court. And let's just bring in some solid role players that that fill the traditional sort of FIBA role. Uh, yeah, absolutely. A big man that can rebound and pass, wings that can defend, and then actually play like a proper roster team, not a, uh, a bit of an all-star squad. Um, Absolutely, yeah. I, I agree. I think uh, I think USA basketball probably will have realised from this particular tournament and the way that Jaru Holiday made a difference for them that you can they cannot that they are clearly the standard by which you know basketball international basketball should be measured. Right, they're absolutely the most skillful country and skillful team. Um, but that's not enough anymore. The, they won the gold medal this time around because they had better coaches and they scouted teams better, right? So they built that team up into being not what it was in the exhibition matches, but a different team by the time it came to the medal rounds. But they also scouted their opponents fantastically well and they shut most of the France threats down. Um, and they also did a great job of, of taking away what Australia wanted to do in their match as well, right, in the semi-final to beat us. Um, and especially in the adjustments they made between the first and second half. Oh. So the US uh, had to go deeper into their bag of tricks in order to win this particular gold medal. But I think you're absolutely right, Street. If they want to continue to win gold medals, then what they need to do is to respect that everybody else has closed the gap quite significantly. And in order to win, they're going to have to pick a team that can win rather than an all-star team that can roll the balls out and basically get the job done. And, you know, I think they know that. I think, I think the intelligent people at the USA basketball, not the Draymond Greens who basically want to say 
fuck all the haters on social media, but then he wants to be a hater on social media. So, you know, <laughs> it's just ironic, isn't it? So, um, you know, I think, I think they're going to have to, they're going to have to learn their lessons. And, and I think they came very close this time around to, to losing that gold medal. It was really good to watch. So, yeah. Mm, yeah. What about the Olympics in general, boys? The second week, what did you love about the Olympics? What did you not love? Um, I'll jump in. The, the BMX, loved it. How yep. good is it? And, yep. um, no, Which one? The, just the straight-up racing or the street, the um, park events? The, the, probably the park events, the freestyle, as the yep. kids call it. Yeah. Yep. And uh, there was that side of it. But even the skateboarding as well, in that there was was it a young English bird that she was, what, 13 or something? And uh, she, yep. she, she dropped in and he just went, Geez, like, and she was awesome. She didn't, she didn't medal, but, but yep. again, it, I mean, the BMX was awesome in that. Well, of course, with the result as well. Yeah. Um, so love that, and yep. I'll let you. Logan let you, from Logan. Logan from Logan, and um, well, I tell you what, as as parents, you know, when we were growing up, things like skateboard and skateboarding and BMX, that's sort of like a, a counterculture sort of activity where, you know. You'd have parents and grandparents of that era sort of you know, telling the kids, oh, what are you doing that for? You know, you're getting over that. You're wasting your time, blah, blah, blah. But mm. but these days, as parents, you know, we have to obviously be be mindful of, of the activities and the things that kids do that we consider, you know, uh, BMXing. And, you know, what's the next BMXing and skateboarding? You know, whether it's sport climbing or, you know, Ninja Warrior or whatever it may be, that, that could very well become legitimate Olympic sport, you know, People make money off it, and I'm sure in the next in the next twenty, you know, thirty years, even things like esports activities might become an, an Olympic sort of event. Um, or yeah, a hybrid sure, version of not. that. Surely not esports. Oh, I hope well, not. There will I be near, there will be near esports Olympics at some point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, you're probably right, Strini. I, I, I don't think that's a, a, a full stretch. I think that probably will be the case in twenty years' time. Um. So did you did you guys love the speed climbing? Did you like the speed climbing, Doug? That was cool. Yeah, was absolutely. Good to to be honest, well, for, not it, just the speed forgot. climbing, but the sport climbing, I should say. So yeah, but forgot it was on, switched over, and just it was mm. like the first one just went, holy shit! Look at them gap. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So that, that side of it, yeah, definitely, definitely enjoyed yeah. it. Um, and I'll let you go. It'd on be cool to see that. Well, I think this, I mean you could probably expand that like sport climbing to you know have a much bigger structure with more of a technical kind of component to it, where instead of going straight up, you can you know traverse across and, and have more of a an obstacle, um, you know, sort of like. Well, a, that's so there. So there were three disciplines this year in in sport climbing. There was bouldering, which is the close to the ground one, right? That's that's basically the one where then they probably know more than about you know three or four metres off the ground. And and the skill there obviously is in more of the acrobatic side-to-side movements. Um, and then there's the speed climbing, which is basically fastest up the wall, which, you know, averages about seven seconds or so. And, uh, and there was a world record broken in the female climbing. Um, and then the third one is then the highest, right? So furthest, fastest, basically. So um, as high and as you can get. And that's, where the technical skill comes in in trying to make the different holds and the different moves to get as high as you can, as fast as you can, I suppose. Yeah. Um, and so it, it was a, the particular sport climbing was a combination of three disciplines in climbing, which was really unusual. And that really pissed a lot of the sport, like the actual traditionalists of the sport off um, seeing the Olympics kind of put it all together. But I thought it was a great spectacle. I thought it was amazing. Would have been yeah. a hell of a spectator sport. There was a lot of people interested in watching it, but obviously only the uh, Olympic athletes could watch it. So. Yeah. Mm. Um, I think given our time zone, the fact that you can sit down at night in your chair and, uh, and yep. watch the athletics, like I've, I've never sort of, you know, I've always enjoyed the athletics, but I really got into it this time. Uh, yeah. So the track, the track and field was pretty unreal. I mean, obviously Ash Maloney win, who won the bronze in the um, decathlon, that was uh, yep. re- really good TV for the, that two days that he competed. Yep. Uh, and obviously his teammate, um, Cedric getting on and, yep, basically being his pace man in the fifteen hundred, and you know, yep. like the, the the amount of you know, it's a it's a jack of all. So do you know the story there, So you know the story about Cedric Dubler and Maloney being like training partners, and Cedric Dubler basically bringing him into the sport. 
No, I, I, I didn't know the depth of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, keep going, mate. Um, yeah, so I mean, you know, that, that it's, it's a jack of all trades, master of none. Sort of, you know, the, the highest jump for these guys and their high jump was a, a one ninety or something like that. Where the night before the high jump final went to a two thirty. Yeah. Um, so it's a big difference in jumping, but you know, these high jumpers certainly couldn't do everything else. That these, you know, the decathletes did. Mm. Um, so yeah, I mean, you, I don't think we've ever seen an Aussie medal in that event. Um, no. No, no, no. We haven't seen an Aussie decathlon medal, I don't think. And uh, and for a twenty-one-year-old, it's pretty unreal. Yeah, absolutely. And probably one of the things I think, looking back on the games now, was exactly how successful our athletics team was compared with uh, previous Olympics. So I think we kind of get a bit spoilt by our swimming team when they're dropping medals every day in their in their meet, uh, and we we kind of think that the athletics team have let us down over the previous Olympics because they don't do the same thing. Um, and I think, you know, from our very first kind of track and field medals, you know, or like at least the most recent ones in modern times to, to this particular Olympics at Tokyo, where apart from obviously, you know, the hundred meters, like there weren't a lot of finals that didn't have an Australian in them. Right, and there yeah. certainly weren't a lot of semi-finals that didn't have an Australian in them. Um, and to see, you know, our field athletes have some success with Nicola McDermott in the women's high jump taking a medal. You know, um, the javelin girl getting a, like a bronze. Like it's, you know, Maloney in the decathlon. Like you said, there there were so many great moments from that athletics team. Typically sometimes the Australian public will lose a bit of interest in the second week because of the fact that our track and field team isn't that strong. Um, but geez, they maintained a lot of good stories throughout that second week. It was fantastic. So It was also fantastic to see the USA not winning every single track event. Um, mm. you know, I, I, I kind of wonder sort of the inquiry, the scrutiny on the uh, on athletics USA when they go back and, and they see teams like Italy winning the 100 metres individual and then, and then winning the 4 by 100 relay and, mm. you know, Jamaica smoking them uh, in, in the ladies' sprints. Um, yeah. So that, that dominance is gone. I guess, mm. on the other hand, a lot of athletes who have uh, some kind of international tie and an eligibility may try and exploit that and, and, and get out of that US system just because, you know, there's only so many spots in a team. And as we saw from the, the old mate from Italy, Born in Waco, Texas, you know, trained in the States, um, had an Italian mother and, you know, mm. um, gets the, the the citizenship that way and ends yeah. up winning it. You know, you probably never heard of heard of the bloke. Um, no. And there may be more, more of that story may come out in the coming months. Uh, there's a, a few rumblings yeah. here and there yeah. um, as to, you know, his credibility as a sprinter and, and, and the company he's kept. Well, um, already one of the sprinters from the Great Britain 4x100 team popped a positive test. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. So, well, the, the thing with these guys, they're all ahead of the game. So they're sort of, you know, they're, they're stuff that they're sort of have been on. You know, I'd be surprised yeah. if, um, if if there's, if all they're all clean. There's percentages that are probably are on something that's no, A, not illegal yet, just because it's, it's so new that it hasn't had a chance to be made illegal. Yeah. Look, there are still just as many drug cheats today as there were years ago as well. Like in past years, that that that'll happen. There'll be there's people there that are dirty at the games. That's the way it goes. Yeah. Nugget, Nugget, what about you, mate? Is there is there something that other than the boomers you take away from the 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 Olympics that you didn't like, mate, or like? Uh... Um, not really. In that I, yeah, I'm like switchy in that the time zone, like was awesome. In that, yeah. But, well, not so awesome for my work because geez, I was tired. I'd never drank so much coffee in my life. Yeah. Um, and, but I mean, I suppose one thing I watched for about three seconds was the closing ceremony. Yep. Uh, didn't even bother, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Worst bit... event of the games. Worst event of well, the games, for sure. Well, it, it was, but I think it was just made even worse. And, you know, they're coming in and waving to no one again. <laughs> which I, I know they meant that to. That was the big but, downer. Yeah. That's the biggest standard of the whole thing, the fact that, you know, if you're an athlete, right, and you, if you're one of our track and field athletes and for whatever reason, you know, you get you get an injury in the next couple of years and, and you never get to experience an Olympic Games again through no, you know, through an injury or whatever it may be, even though you've won a medal, you know, you didn't get to do it in front of a crowd. 
Um, yeah, yeah. And, and, and there's, a, you know, it's kind of almost a, that little bit of part of you would just sort of be, you know, it's great to win uh, a medal. Don't get me wrong, but uh, that that thrill of competing, even if you don't win in front of a crowd, just would be something to behold. And to have yeah, that taken get, away, that's their only just, experience. Yeah. Uh, it's a little bit sad. Just go the rugby sevens route and just get shit canned on the plane. But <laughs> yeah, sure, but sure, um, yeah. but um, yeah. the one thing I will mention though was I watched from start to go was the men's marathon. Oh yeah, that was that was brutal. The amount yep. of people dropping out like was amazing. Yep. Well, I'll tell you what was even more brutal. Front runners. That mm. tool bag that got his hand and just running over the whole, uh, whole rack of cups yeah. and then picks the last one up for himself. What a dog. Yeah. Yeah, that wasn't the, uh, that wasn't the, the greatest shining moment of his career, was it? So, no. I'd, I'd like to think he was just tired and wasn't focused. Let's <laughs> go with the positivity, surely. <sighs> no, well, been... so... So that's M Dooney, and he. Um, Where's he from? Oh well, he's he. Well, obviously, you know, he's from France, but you know, I think he's. I think his lineage comes through maybe even Morocco or somewhere like that. I'm not. In, I'm not entirely sure of his of his heritage, but um, he he had run earlier in the week in their ten thousand meters, and he swears blind that it was fatigue that got him. I mean. <laughs> The organisers of, of the men's marathon moved it from Tokyo to Sapporo in a bid to get away from the oppressive heat of Tokyo. I don't think it did anybody any favours no. um, because it was a hell of a day. And, it, it like, Kipchoge's win, like, honestly, boys, if you want to talk about athletic performances, that guy winning the, the Olympic marathon again. And for context, he's the guy who Nike put on that, you know, sub-two-hour marathon project. And last year he ran, you know, Ended up running a one fifty eight um, in the in sub sub two hour marathon, which is kind of like you know flying yourself to the moon, basically. Um, mm. But you know that was a bit of a shame. There's no way that was an accident. You don't accidentally knock over that many water bottles on those tables, <laughs> no. like you know, you know, no one's You've that just much. Been a French flight. prick. That's all he was doing. He's probably you know filthy. Yep. Uh, France lost the basketball the night before, and yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that was it and goes, oh, yeah. And he was never going to feature in the top 10 of that marathon anyway. He's a peanut. He was basically hanging on to the back of that group and riding the good runners' coattails. So, yeah. Yeah, that was a shame. That was a real shame. I agree. Like, not seeing people in the stands was a big shame. Like, to, to not have that for the athletes and the people of Tokyo was a bit of a shame. Um, there was some pretty shitty moments, like, you know, throughout the whole games, like the French boxer. Was it the French boxer? I think he was French. When he got beat, uh, well, at least when he, yeah, when he, when the points decision went against him, and he staged the, staged the, I think it was about a two-hour sit-in, um, <laughs> but because of the fact that his bout was the last one on the session, there wasn't another bout for another three hours, <laughs> so he had to keep sitting there, and then nobody actually even bothered to go and move him because they didn't need the ring, right? Like they didn't need to bother, so. Um, he actually then had to move his silent protest outside so someone would pay attention to him. And when they then started to set up the the ring for the for the next bout, he heard that and then went back in and sat down again so they couldn't do it. So, so just an absolute nut job. So, yeah. yeah, it does some funny things to people, that sort of stuff, doesn't it? So Yeah, well, he's not going to do himself any favours for the future. Uh, the Aussie guy that was um, the, the boxer Harry, that came, he won the bronze. Harry Garson. Yeah, very well spoken. Obviously, you know, uh, laid it pretty bare that he was there to win a goal, but, you know, mm. appreciative of the fact that he, he did what he could and was happy to, in the end, pleased to have won a bronze. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The, uh, the subsequent story to that, obviously, is, is that uh, got himself a first-class ticket, first time in his life on the plane on the way home, and then gave it to his coach. Um so, yeah, he's a pretty humble sort of guy. So he, uh, he, on his social media, he kind of said, oh, I can't believe it. First time in my life, got a, got a first-class ticket. And then uh, posted a picture later on from the back of the plane. And when he was asked why, he just basically said, well, I just wanted to say thanks to my coach. And he doesn't get the medal, but he got the first-class ticket on the way home that was part of the medal package. So, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. pretty cool little oh. story. Paddy Mills posted a uh, nice series of uh, images on his, on his Instagram story. The first one being his little pod on the, on the first first class ride home. Uh, yeah, 
and then a very touching sort of uh, 20 odd images after that. Um, yeah, and what about then the uh, video that Paddy appeared in with uh, Men at Works land down under playing in the village as the boys uh, started to, like, still in some of them still in their playing uniform celebrating the bronze medal, eh? If there's one party that, that you'd want to go to, that probably would be very high on the list uh, yep, just to be there definitely. with a uh, tinny in hand, just sitting back and enjoying it. Um, yeah, oh. it would have been pretty amazing. Mate, I would have been pants down up amongst it. I would have loved it. So. <laughs> well, what about all these other athletes who, you know, it's sort of, you know, like a lot of these people, if they're not professionals, are Olympians, but they're, you know, they're working full-time careers to support, you know, and they've got a support of employers yep. who are just sitting there and then, you know, often they, they might be NBA fans just sitting there going, man, I'm just sitting next to Paddy Mills and he's just drinking a schooner of the bronze medal and here's Matisse Thibault next to him with no shirt and crikey, he's pretty, pretty good looking, um, you know, and... Mm. Yeah, it's uh, the, the great thing about the Olympics is this sort of you know everyone's in. Are you together. insinuating, Switch? Are you insinuating that maybe the boys, maybe the boys were busier than usual in the village, or like, or that the girls were busier than usual in the village, mate? Or well, what I'm saying is, if if, if Matisse Thibel is single, he yeah. absolutely would have had numerous suitors um, from yeah. a number of countries. <laughs> well, I think there's sliding yeah, into his DMs, no doubt. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, gave I think the, it would have gave, been a good party. Gave the old uh, cardboard beds a workout. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, look, I think I think one of the things is that's the beautiful thing about the Olympics. I think I think it was you I was talking to, Streety, on uh, on one of the days of the Olympics, maybe where Australia had just kind of come in with a bronze in the in the kayaking, and uh, we were watching, it and the boys are completely ripped, right? Like their arms are massive, their guns are like just showing and uh and we and I thought thought to myself imagine how they feel when they walk through the village and they see Joe Ingalls who probably hasn't met a bicep curl in his life and just probably looks like he's just the accountant for the Olympic team as he's always been called yeah. and he's collecting somewhere in the vicinity of 10 million dollars a year from his jazz team US. and you've just Yep, and you've just basically had to mortgage your house to go to the Olympics, and you're you're as ripped as hell. And Joe looks like he's just eating Tim Tams the whole time he's there. So it's just not fair, is it? Like I just think it's fantastic. So, uh, yeah, I would have loved it. The athletes we have, mate, love it. But yep. you're right. Yeah. So yeah. is that, that is that the Olympic wrap? Are you going to let it go now, Maka? Yeah, mate. I think that's it, boys. I think we have to. What we have to do is we have to go through a pretty painful separation. You have to get me off the Olympics, otherwise I won't stop talking about it. So. I mean, geez, we've gone from an absolute high of uh, of the Olympics and finishing on you know the, with the boomers setting out and achieving mm. what we've longed for for a long time, rolling mm. straight into you know Olympics is off. We've only got the the NRL. Who are playing in Queensland with no crowds? No one cares about the NRL at the moment. Um, and then you got a week of lockdown, working from home with the kids. So it's uh, you're going from you know there's, there's this whole it's the equivalent of the athletes flying home and then having mm. a quarantine in a hotel for 14 days. Yeah, definitely. It's maybe, maybe not as bad, but uh, it's still it's uh, uh, it's night and day in terms of you know your emotions from uh, it's depressing. To, yeah. Definitely. I must say that uh, if it wasn't for my son's current love of everything NRL, I I, I'm, I wouldn't have, you know, I, I had to catch up on what had happened in the last two weeks of the NRL. I will say that, right? uh, which normally wouldn't happen. I'd normally keep one eye on it. Uh, but um, yeah, it's, it's a pretty depressing thought and watching, you know, the GWS Giants towel up the Richmond Tigers by 50 points isn't making it any easier. Oh, I think that makes it very easy. I don't know what you're talking about, but <laughs> but but at the same time, yeah, you're right in that it's I don't know. We're at that point now where oh wow, you, you just want the season to be over. In that <laughs> you, you're pretty much going okay. Let's just bring on finals now. We don't really care. Yeah, um, Broncos. Yeah, you guys watch the NFL, but the Broncos are just yeah. they had to be absolutely dudded out of a win if they kick this penalty. I don't know what the hell are they thinking. Yep, and and for our listeners out there, I'm sure yep. they're watching too. But uh, who can't oh, see oh, that? You're joking. Yep, you're joking. that's <laughs> fantastic. So this is live, 
five to your ears. So, well, yes, I mean, this, that, I mean, agreed. It's probably not great podcasting because no one will be watching this Roosters Broncos game, but that is the worst decision on a high tackle, which the Roosters knocked it off on. They get a penalty, they're down 20 to 19, and they're going to have a kick to win it with about a minute left. Oh, well, so, in terms. Yeah. In terms I'll of things we have tomorrow. to, in terms of things we have to discourage people from doing during podcasts, me talking about the Olympics and Streety watching live sport and commentating mm-hmm. on it. So. Yeah, true. That yeah. is true. And, yeah. and so, Nugget, you were saying, mate, no one really cares about the NRL except for Streety at this particular point in time. Yeah. Well, I mean, I I watch the Mighty Knights games, but other than that, yeah, it's sort of bring on the finals now, and especially. They're scrambling just to get games completed. In that, well, it's the same as the AFL. In that, I follow the Giants, and like the other week, was we scheduled on a Friday. They got canned and then flew down to Melbourne and played on a Sunday night, and that was just like it's it's all over the place. Even like the Knights uh, uh, last weekend or the weekend before, it was just pretty much yeah, let's just try and find a stadium to play at. So. <laughs> Just everyone was so, ringing up seeing if Harker Oval was available for yeah, him to go and play. Yeah. <laughs> well, not anymore. That's, that's a COVID testing site now, isn't it? Oh, is it? Yeah, probably is now. Well, unfortunately, <laughs> they wouldn't be able to play there. But uh, but it's a yeah, look. The, yeah. It's a disappointing thing that just again to see, you know, like as both leagues kind of round down in their last three or four rounds, players get rested, all that kind of stuff, all the all the different sanctity of the game has probably gone out the window a little bit in terms of people are just like, you know what, we're all just trying to get through this. Let's just get as many games in as we can. Let's just finish the seasons, you know? So, mm. yeah. yeah, yeah, That's what it feels so, like anyway. Yeah. So, so bring bring well, that on. But. Not all is lost, Macca. I mean, the Olympics are finished and no one cares about the NRL, but six mm. months until the Beijing Winter Olympics, yep. Beijing will be one of the rare cities yep. to host both a winter and a summer games. Yep, um, definitely. Six six months after that, there's World Championships for athletics and then um, Commonwealth Games. Commonwealth Games in Birmingham. And then a month or so after that, there's the FIBA Women's World Cup here in Australia for basketball. And then two, not even 18 months, another Olympics. So um, yep, yep. there won't be that Just... four-year. And then throw a World Cup soccer in there next year for the uh, Qatar 2022. That's right, mate. Absolutely. So there's a lot on. And obviously the Paralympics start on the 24th of August. Yes. Um, yep. Plenty of great stories for the Paralympics. And so there is a lot to look forward to. Look, oh, look. the thing is, boys, once the finals get started for footy, I'll be back involved. But yeah. you know, I'm just going through a post-holiday, de- a post-Olympics depression here. Like, um, yeah. And, yeah, I'm you know. the same. I'm a bit of a sport funk at the moment. Mm. So. Yeah, absolutely. So, Streety, yeah. what's happening in it? Tell us what's happening in the NBA at the moment. They're playing their summer league. What's the big free agency news in the NBA? Well, the biggest free agency news is Patty Mills during the Olympics. Um, after they lost to the USA, um, and obviously kept that under wraps until that game was done with, um, mm. signed a two-year deal with the Brooklyn Nets. Going to team up, team up with uh, Kevin Durant. Yep. Um, so great move for Patty Mills. Um, Bit of a shame to see him leave the Spurs. Uh, mm. He's sort of been a bit of an institution there over the last eight to ten years. Uh, mm. I'd be very, very surprised that in the next – well, you have to wait five years, but uh, he's definitely a player that is deserving to have his number retired by that organisation. Yep. Um, but the Spurs are going through a bit of a, a change um, with their roster, going with young guys and potentially a coaching change. Um, so do you think that's do you think that's why they didn't offer Paddy Mills the same sort of money to stay? Is that because they want to rebuild? They want to they want to develop younger guys and give them minutes. Totally, yeah, yeah. I think it's easier to to make a transition from pop out when they're not as good. Um, yeah. that blow is sort of you know softened, so yeah. to speak. Yeah. Uh, but you know it's a great opportunity for Mills to go and join a contender. You know he's playing on a high profile team, a lot of airtime. Uh, maybe he was, you know, obviously. I mean, who, who? Let's be honest here. Who wouldn't want to go join a team of that uh, pedigree? You know, play eighty-two games with Harden and Durant and Kyrie Irving, and mm. if he's still there, and uh, you know, and uh, in in a big city such as New York, and it probably just gives Mills for what he does off the court, you know, more exposure to that US market, and uh, you know, his his message can sort of spread further and mm. wider than what it does in San Antonio. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I think it's a great pickup for them and good on him, you know, good little payday for him. Yeah, you do have to play with Kyrie, so that's about your only <laughs> way, but he, he won't be on away games anyway. So you're well, sweet that's, there. that's if Kyrie Irving's still there. Uh, we're still waiting on Ben Simmons to be traded. Um, the Sixers are sort of holding out, um, you know, trying to, t- to get their farm for him, but that's not going to happen. The stock's down a bit. Where's he, um, where's he going to go? I think well, he'll end up at somewhere like Sacramento. He'll end up um, in California. Yeah. Yeah, I think he'll end up over on the on on that west coast, and um, yeah, I think he'll I think he'll end up somewhere that probably isn't contending at the moment because I don't think uh, I don't think anybody else has the the amount of trade value to to send back to Philadelphia that they're after. Mm. Yeah, I mean the two logical destinations trade wise for me, uh, I think the Warriors make good basketball sense. Um, mm. You know, irrespective of him and Draymond on the same team, you know, Draymond's getting he's what 30, 34, 35, pushing that. You know, you can easily move him along with that contract. You could even include him in the trade, although they wouldn't trade Draymond just yet. Um, but Ben Simmons and that team works, and the Warriors have enough um, assets that the Sixers could roll into a two-team trade or even involve a third team to move some of the younger guys to the Sixers and get more of an established veteran. Um, offloaded a trade today in our group chat that maybe Simmons ends up in Brooklyn for Kyrie Irving and some other stuff. Um, but I think, you know, the biggest deciding factor in where Simmons goes is, is who he's represented by. So his, his agency clutch aren't going to let him go to a small market or, you know, a team that isn't a contender. They'll have a large influence in in where he goes and they can just say, okay, well, you know, if you trade for him, he doesn't want to be there, but just know that, you know, this is a place that we're not going to, you know, send our you know, growing clientele of, you know, future stars. So that always mm. comes into it too, where, you know, GM's often going to try and do the agent's favours. It's happened for a long time and will continue to happen as long as players are represented. Yep, absolutely. So mm. I think a big market East team, Brooklyn, um, I doubt, I doubt the Knicks, so I would say if it's East, it's Brooklyn, but it's hard to trade within your own division, particularly for a team that's you're geographically the closest as well, aside mm. from the Knicks. So I think California, one of the California teams, and it's it's not going to be the Lakers. They can't afford it. Clippers, uh, maybe, but I'd put the Warriors at the top of that California list. And or, also maybe, maybe Portland. Well, we'll have to wait and see, won't we? We'll see where he ends up. So. Yeah. And the and the other signing from our boomers, so Jock Landau joining the Spurs. Oh, Jock heading the Spurs. Good well, he earned it, there. didn't he? Definitely earned it. And it, and so, how do you think he'll go in the NBA, boys? Like, will he will he be effective? Is this going to be? Does he have to earn his earn his kind of? You know, is there what has he got to do to survive? Oh, he's got to hit shots for his size. He's got to be able to stretch the floor when he's on. I mean, I think to start with, he's probably a 12 to 18-minute player. Mm-hmm. Um, but if he could just go in and do what he did in the Olympics and just be a threat, you know, of the way basketball played now, it's, you know, you have to sort of do something beyond a screen and roll. You have to, you know, screen, you know, a pick and pop. So you have to be able to do both. Mm. And Landau demonstrated that he's got the range. You can you can set a screen up top for his guard and step back, take, take a shot, get the ball, or roll to the basket, be there for alley-oops, rebound. And hit, hit open shots when he gets the ball. That's probably the key mm. thing. That that's what will keep so, him on the floor. So it doesn't have to do much then, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing with big guys now, right? If 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 you have a limited skill set as a big, there's really not much of a role for you. And you're seeing yeah. players sort of, you know, like Baines, for example, sake, and, and other big guys really just fall to sort of the bottom of the heap when it comes to salaries and, and what teams are willing to offer and when in free agency. Um, so for the Spurs to actually get him. You know, before free agency and the whole offseason has, has come to an end, is a bit of an endorsement uh, for him, mm. which is good. Yeah. So, no, what definitely. about what about Streety uh, getting off the Australian boys for a minute? And you talk about some of the bigger names that have signed in free agency in the NBA. So, Kawhi Leonard today, I noticed, I think, got his extension with the Clippers, $170 million. Steph Curry, got his 200 plus million dollar extension at the start of free agency. Some of the talk about NBA free agency has been about the timing of those deals. So this is the, 
the fact that deals aren't meant to be negotiated until after midnight on uh, whatever date it is preceding the actual start of free agency. And there's, I've seen some funny tweets from people about saying, you know, don't worry about these tampering laws. Worry about these, like, let's applaud the NBA executives for banging out multi-million dollar deals in the space of 26 seconds, you know, like, so, <laughs> um, you know, for when the announcements come that XYZ player is moving to this team and signing for a hundred million dollars, like, you know, do you think that the NBA should even bother trying to police this? Because clearly they're negotiating deals before that, that kind of, like moratorium on the men's, right? Like, is is this even a problem? No, I don't think it is. And it's probably in the NBA's interest that this continues to happen as much as they say it shouldn't, just because Mm. of the interest that it generates. And and the the league profits and does well off players either moving to teams, signing big Mm. deals, or remaining with with, with teams. Yeah. Um, Five of the biggest deals that we saw were all dudes re-signing. Kevin Durant. Luka Doncic on his rookie extension, two hundred uh, uh, worth up to two hundred and seventy or something, uh, two hundred seven, whatever it was, it was big. Curry, mm. you know, so that'll keep him with the same team. And Kawhi yep. Leonard played the smart card. He just got an injured ACL, so he signed a four year deal, team option, uh, player option for the fourth year. But he's going to be out injured for the whole year in the first one with the knee. Yeah, um, mm. you know, yep. so you're crazy not not to take those those that dollars. And that point was rammed home. With the Lakers point guard Dennis Schroeder, who earlier this year knocked back <laughs> a four-year, eighty-four million-dollar contract, <laughs> saying, "Oh no, no, free agents coming up. I reckon I can, I can get, get over a hundred because you know." Yep. But market wasn't there. His, his performance sort of didn't live up to expectations, and you know, signing a, a, a mid-level exception for just under six million a year. So he's lost out big, and I'm sure he's having nightmares about knocking back that contract six months ago. He's going to regret that for the rest of his life, isn't he? Well, he's essentially just lost 60 men, unless he can make it up next year by having a big year this year. But he's, he's yeah. joined a team where he's not going to have that role. Um, no. Mate, just losing $60 million is just going to eat, eat away at you, doesn't it? Yep, absolutely. So Paul Bugger only has, has to live off $6 million. don't know how you'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny, isn't it? But once you thought you were going to have 100 plus, it'd probably break in his heart, I'd say. Yeah, so, yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Now, um, that's coming pretty close to the end of the topics we had, boys. Um, but there probably is just uh, like a, a one or two things going on in sport around the world that we probably should mention. The uh, signing of Lin- Lionel Messi or Lionel Messi with Paris Saint-Germain, probably one of arguably the world's most famous soccer player apart from Cristiano Ronaldo. He was on a deal they said was somewhere around about in the $500 million range with <laughs> Barcelona, but Barcelona obviously way over the salary cap. I think the, the story I read was they were spending 110% of their total revenue on player salaries. And so they were ordered to basically cut that back to about 70% of their total revenue. Uh, and I believe... Who, spe- who, who ordered that? Was that in total uh, or UEFA? N- the UEFA, like so, the organising committee of, of, like the organising body of the league they compete in, basically, right? So that, so that the club would survive because that's not sustainable, right? So no. um, that's basically like, you know, that's all the worst companies in the world that have gone bankrupt run like that. So um, you just can't spend more than you make, especially not more than you gross. Like that's just, it just doesn't work. And um, in- interestingly enough, part of his new salary is paid in Bitcoin. Oh, is it? I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah, yeah I just right. saw that earlier yeah. tonight. I saw an article there, and um, well, oh, interesting. Bit, so one of the other things is Bitcoin's on a run again. Is it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You got to find yours, don't you, Strudy? Yours is locked no, up I've somewhere. Got it. No, oh, yeah, right. It's all good, mate. Sell. Oh, well, there and you no, go. I, I kept it. I kept it through, through the lull. Now, now it's charging back. Well, lovely. Uh, oh. Yeah. So one of the other things is is that also. Messi offered to take a huge pay cut to stay with Barcelona, but Spanish law, so so actual, not just sports law, but Spanish law prevents any employee in Spain having their salary cut by more than 50%. So it's an industrial relations law. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so even if the person volunteers it, it's legally not allowed. So 
Um, so I believe those kind of circumstances all conspired to him needing to uh, needing to then move to Paris Saint Germain on on a much lesser deal. So um, it's what a, you couldn't have written that story, I don't think. So no I think, way. but Messi makes all that back just by changing clubs and playing in in Paris. Oh, and yeah, you know, absolutely. So, uh, oh, the Blake won't. The way Blake won't miss a dollar. Don't you worry. Oh, no, absolutely not. Can you imagine that Jordan Brand does the merchandising for uh, PSG? And they already mm-hmm. had Neymar and Mbappe and um, Sergio, actually got Sergio Ramos, I think it was, from Real Madrid, you know, mm-hmm. one of uh, Messi's big club rivals. Yeah. So well, now, already... you know, they used, to, they used to refer to Real Madrid as the Galacticos, but now Paris Saint-Germain are the, the modern-day version of that. Um, well, the, the, so the they... jersey sales record in within 24 hours. Yeah, yeah okay. and so... change numbers, yeah. number 30. Yeah, yeah, um, like Steph Curry. So yeah, I mean the the the, the apparel will just be phenomenal. The amount of PSG gear that you're going to see on the shelves at Rebel Sport and everywhere in the world is going to be something else. I know my 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 son's put orders in already. <laughs> yeah, well, my son has got some Paris Saint Germain gear already, but I suspect we're on the way to get buying some more as well. So yeah. That's uh, the, yours, the, the, the Neymar kits you're going to see hanging up on the uh, shelves at uh, the Smith family and the op shops, and it's all about mm. kids getting the new um, messy PSG kit. Yep. <laughs> all right, boys. Well, it's been yeah. good to chat again. Absolutely, a great one, and it's good to be good to be back on the home soil. Yeah. Yeah. So- welcome back, Nug. So let's hope this. Uh, what, what, how many days in? So Olympics, you got home on Sunday, so, so five days in, nine, nine more to go. Nine more to go. <laughs> uh, social media weekend. is rife with hotel quarantine posts from Australian Olympic athletes. I love it. So, so Doug, you've got plenty of time to write down in your memoirs uh, whilst you're in this hotel quarantine just about some of the village experiences that you encountered whilst in Tokyo on assignment for us. So... Um, now that you're going to have time to journal them, we want to hear some of these stories in our, you know, Tales from Tokyo. I, um, mm. uh, Tales from Tokyo. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's for the After Dark podcast. Yeah. <laughs> it'll be a special edition one. Tales that's for the Tokyo. Sports and Speed Only Fans content, I'd suggest. So. And uh, <laughs> we are also going to try and actually get on our show a couple of uh, athletes who at least one who are two who, who we know that attended and played mm. and another one that uh was involved in another capacity we have to put the feelers out for that one and see if we can get that person on the show yep so we'll keep you informed of that so keep your eyes and your ears out on all the socials but uh, i'm sure nuggets tales from tokyo will eventually become <laughs> a audio book and then a, a printed publication because uh, it'll be it'll be a banger what's your space Nugget was there is no truth to the rumor that Nugget was leading the charge with the rugby seven boys on the flight home. So, yeah, yeah. crushing tins on his forehead as he went and yelling, Let me, let me t- tell you, it was, they, it was them that was out of order, it wasn't us. Ah, <laughs> uh, very yeah. good. All right, boys. All right, and just a, a, a bit of a score update Giants are still up by 50 odd. Yeah. So, yeah, so the Richmond Tigers. Tigers are done for 2021. Mm-hmm. Little p- putty tats back in there. <laughs> <laughs> the putty tats. <laughs> They've had a good run, though, haven't they? Oh, yeah. They're fine. Don't feel sorry for them. Who's on yeah. top? I mean, I, I'd like to see the Battlers from the West, Western Bulldogs, I mean, the, the, the Demons get up this year. They'd be good. Yeah. I would suggest the Melbourne Demons will be there or thereabouts. And, yeah, the Bulldogs will probably be close. I think the Lions are travelling pretty well as well. The NRL, the Melbourne Storm have won 18 straight. One, one more to tie the Roosters' record from way back when. Oh, yeah. Um, so they're pretty much doing do what Penrith did last year. So it would be interesting to see if that grand final result gets flipped from last year. Mm. Wow. You wouldn't want to see – You wouldn't if you were the Storm, you wouldn't want to come up against the mighty juggernaut of the Canterbury-Bankstown Bulldogs next week. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Uh, yeah. get, get, get in place anyway. from everywhere on two, two, two week loans that, that's something that's uh, a little bit new two week loans oh. from clubs. mate there's nothing we won't do oh, also. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we have crossed every boundary you would have thought possible so yeah, watch your space mountain. mate you, you'll get a run you'll get a run oh, yeah. and, you know what, as a shout out to Canterbury they, they're leading, leading the ladder uh, it's been a long time but unfortunately, they're leading the letter in the COVID cut. 
Canary Bankstown um, on yep. top of the Corona cases ladder. Um, it's not the ladder <laughs> you want to be on top of. <laughs> All right, that's it. I'm going, you idiots. <laughs> Get right. the dogs out. All right, yeah. man. Thanks, gentlemen. Right, Stay safe in the Bye. hotel, mate. All the best. We'll, Get, get riding on Tars of Tokyo. It'll be great. Thank, come come thanks, and hear boys. some more. Yeah. <laughs> Bye-bye. See ya.